Hey, Magic Makers, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so today we are getting into a subject that I've wanted to talk about for a really long time. But before I do, before we do, myself and my guest, Julie Hassett, one of my best friends, before we talk about what we're about to talk about, I want to preface this conversation by saying I am not a mental health professional. I am not a trained physician, psychiatrist, psychologist, nothing. I am not a doctor. Julie is also not a doctor and not a currently practicing mental health care professional, um, though she does have a background in that. She is not currently licensed. So all of this to say, please understand that this is simply a conversation between two human beings who have experienced ADHD symptoms and who have taken those symptoms to a professional doctor to get properly diagnosed or assessed. So spoiler alert, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about ADHD. Yay. We are talking about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but particularly how ADHD manifests in women. It goes very underdiagnosed or traditionally it has been very underdiagnosed in women. And there's a lot of psychological distress that happens internally for a lot of women who get an ADHD diagnosis later in life. They have reported feeling inadequate, feeling broken, feeling less than wondering why can't I just be normal and not understanding that their brain just works a little bit differently. And so what I hope is that You come to this conversation with an open mind and an open heart. And if there's something that resonates with you, when Julie is able to share about her journey towards understanding her ADHD diagnosis, there is something that resonates with you. I hope you're able to understand you're not alone. You're part of a cool club. And I hope you take those symptoms or life experiences that you resonate with. And I hope you take them to a healthcare provider, to a mental health professional and get yourself properly assessed because goodness knows, you know, assessments, diagnoses, all of that. It's like a manual. It's like being handed a manual for how to more effectively enjoy your life and move through the world. That's how I feel when I'm able to identify, oh gosh, this resonates with me. Here are all these tools that people before me have figured out how to better move through the world with these exact same symptoms and experiences. So that's really the goal of today's conversation, to shed some light, bring some awareness to ADHD diagnoses, especially in women, especially in creative women, especially, especially in entrepreneurial creative women. Gosh, we really just get into it. And I'm so grateful for Julie's generosity in talking about this subject today. A little bit about Julie. She is a professional makeup artist for the likes of Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. She does all manner of TV shows and movies. We actually met when she was the head of the makeup department for a show that I am on called Zach and Mia shows on Netflix. It's pretty amazing. Kind of my favorite thing I ever did when I was an actress, go watch it. And we just became immediate fast friends, not just because she's a delightful human, but because we both have such a deep interest and passion 
for mental health, for talking about mental health, ending the stigma, being open about our experiences with mental health. I just couldn't be more grateful to have found Julie and to continue to have her in my life. So y'all are welcome. I'm sharing her with you today. Please welcome to the podcast, Julie Hassett. You guys are so lucky because I have my best friend, Julie, on the podcast today. (laughs) Hi, Julie Hassett. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I, you guys, before we hit record, we were having a very like deep heart to heart there. So I felt <laughs> like I had to get my musical theater nerd out to, <laughs> to get us into this conversation that I've been looking forward to having with you for so long, Julie. Me too. Thank you. So if anybody has been around for a while, while you may remember Julie from the original iteration of find your magic, which was my funny little talk show that I had in my (laughs) house, IRL back in LA. And Julie dropped so many pearls of wisdom surrounding mental health and being an artist and gratitude. That conversation is incredible. I'll put the link in the show notes below. If you guys want to go back and watch that, but let's start with Julie. You want to just like introduce yourself to people who might not have seen that yet? Yeah, sure. My name is Julie Hassett, and I am a makeup artist living and working in Los Angeles and wherever else, you know, I end up going. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a background in mental health. So I used to be a substance abuse counselor at a methadone clinic working with patients who had addictions to opiates. And I did that for a couple of years before I transitioned to being an artist full time. And I love mental health awareness and education. And it's something I'm really passionate about because I've also struggled with mental health issues. And I'm really excited that we get to focus on this together. I know it, man. I just, I know I say it almost every episode, but I cannot believe how few opportunities there are to have the conversation about mental health and entrepreneurship at the same time. And Mm. I really think that right in those crosshairs is creativity Yeah, because you cannot be creative without being vulnerable and opening yourself up. Yeah. But when you do that, the two things happen simultaneously. One, you are a lot more susceptible to feeling really big feelings, whether they're highs or lows. And you're also much more likely to see success. So a lot of entrepreneurs like ride this line and they think that they don't need to address mental health stuff because they don't have necessarily like a quote unquote diagnosable issue Mm -hmm. or quote unquote problem Mm -hmm. when really everybody benefits from talking about (laughs) mental health, especially people who are trying to create something new and pave their own way. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most beneficial things that I could have ever done as well as a person, but also as an, as a creative person is to go to therapy and also just do things for my mental health outside of therapy too. I mean, there've been a lot of things that I've gone through in the past several years and uh, well, my entire life I've had mental health struggles, but you know, depression, anxiety, and 
what I didn't know I was dealing with for the longest time was ADHD. And I didn't realize that was something that was a huge part of my life until actually last year. Um, I was 35 when I actually was like diagnosed with it. I'm so grateful that you're open to talking about that diagnosis here because I would betcha that there are so many people listening to this who may not know that they have a similar diagnosis. What's the process? Like, is it a diagnosis? Is it a, yeah, like, do I mean, you get there's analyzed? A, there's a kind of like a test or screening rather that you can take um, with your um, mental health care professional. And, you know, just as a disclaimer, I'm not a yes. mental health professional anymore. Um, I'm not a doctor in any way. So like anything that I say is not, you know, please yes. don't, don't try and self-diagnose necessarily. Um, although if things do ring true for you, please do bring them up to a mental health professional because that is what I was able to do. And that really did help me. Just echoing that real quick. Yes. Neither one of us are doctors, please consult a professional, but I also want to say that there were many, there are many things and this is true for you too, where like the power of information and the power of sharing is that other people can recognize things in themselves and then work to improve them or make that area of their life better. So I would yeah. love to know, like, what were some of the ways where you were recognizing, oh gosh, that sounds like that might be me. Well, you know, in the past couple of years, I was realizing that well, I've noticed this for a long time, I guess there were a lot of little things that I just kind of thought were like personality quirks or like, mm. you know, even things that were <laughs> unfavorable, but I couldn't really figure out why I was doing them, but I felt like I kind of couldn't not do them. And there were things that my family would notice, or, you know, my, my boyfriend at the time would notice. And, and he would just kind of be like, I don't understand why, like you, you can't, get yourself up to do this or like mm. why you're leaving like piles of things around the apartment, like you're nesting. And it would kind of be like, Oh, ha ha funny. Like I nest like, or, you know, I couldn't figure out why it was that on days that I would have off from work, I would be sitting at home in the apartment and I would have lots of things to do, especially around the apartment, but I couldn't get myself to do them. I just physically felt like I couldn't get myself to do them. But then as soon as my boyfriend at the time walked in the door, I would suddenly feel like, oh, okay, I can, I feel like now I have this motivation to do it. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I, I actually, for a while, I remember at the end of that relationship was saying to myself and actually to him, like, I don't know why I was doing this. I think maybe it was, I just felt like you would take care of the things. And that's why, you know, I would it's let, confusing. I would wait until you got home, but apparently it's a thing called body doubling. And it's something that is common with people with ADHD wow. and it's a feeling like you can't do something unless someone else is either doing it with you or they're there next to you to do it. Wow. And so it's just the, having the presence of someone sitting next to you or just being there sort of as like an accountability partner, almost that is somehow the motivating factor in being able to get up and do things when you have that feeling of being so stuck that you just can't, you physically cannot get up. I love that term too, body doubling. Cause that mm -hmm. makes me think of, I mean, we're, we're nerds here, you know, safe <laughs> space, um, mirror neurons. That's what that makes me think of too, of like, 
recognizing oh, yourself in somebody else or oh. um, like mirroring your behavior on somebody who is mm-hmm. in your immediate orbit. Yeah. And, you know, it's another discussion for another day, but that is super interesting because I can imagine that when you do feel that stuckness, there's probably a lot of self-shaming oh, that goes yeah. that goes hand in hand with that, I would anticipate. Yeah. Oh my goodness, so much. I I was always feeling like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't contributing enough to the relationship. I wasn't an adult, you know, I just felt like I'm lazy. I'm unproductive and I would beat myself up over it so much. And that was only one of the little things that I would do, but they weren't really little things at all. You know, they'd all these, all these things would sort of build up until I was feeling like, why am I so unable to be productive? Mm -hmm. Why is it that there are things that I'm passionate about and I will literally for one split second feel like I want to draw, I want to paint, I want to do something creative. But then this other feeling takes over in my body. That's like, I just can't, it feels like too overwhelming. It feels like I can't do it. And I really recognize that feeling. So you know how when someone is in business for a while and you ask them, like, what's the one thing you wish you had done sooner? My answer is I wish I had migrated all of the different platforms that I was using to Kajabi way sooner than I did. I dragged my feet because I was nervous. Technology was intimidating to me. I was totally on my own. I didn't have a team. And when I finally pulled the trigger and signed up for Kajabi, you guys, it was like night and freaking day. They have the best customer service that I've ever experienced. They have a incredible like video library and knowledge base. So any question you have, there's like little videos that show you exactly how to do things. And if you can't figure it out from the videos, you can chat with a customer support rep right there in real time. I'm telling you, like, it's not just for online course programs. When you hear Kajabi, you probably are thinking of their online courses or hosting an online course but it is so much more than that. I have all of my templates on there. It handles all of my payments for me. It like, whenever somebody buys something, it just goes right into my bank account. I handle all my emails from there, all of my marketing funnels, opt-ins, landing pages, you name it. I do it on Kajabi. They're offering a free 30 day trial to find your magic listeners right now. To check that out and read more about the platform, go to kelseyforemost.com slash Kajabi. That's kelseyforemost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. We're all have, oh my God, we're all have this, like, it's almost, it almost feels like a butterfly flies by Mm -hmm. where I will see like this beautiful idea, like a writing moment or something. And I'll just have, I'll just feel like writing. But then I'll like open the notes app or I'll open my computer and in about 60 to 90 seconds, the butterfly has flown away. Yep. And then I feel so guilty, like mm-hmm. for not capitalizing on that brief moment of inspiration yes. that I will like beat myself up about it for hours and I'll keep mm-hmm. the tab open to taunt myself. 
Oh my gosh, me too. I will literally have a sketch pad or an iPad in front of me with the app open. I'll have Procreate sitting there waiting for me to do it or, you know, some colored pencils literally all set out in front of me because for me, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. And so mm-hmm. if I don't have it sitting in front of me, I'm just not going to want to do it. It feels like too much energy to have to get up and make a mess or clean up a mess after. And so it's like, if I just leave it out and keep it there, which leads me to another thing is, you know, <laughs> nesting, keeping like, for me, it's mostly papers. If it's like, I'm terrible with paperwork, mm. I'm terrible at uh, putting it, well, I put it off. I'm really good at putting it off. We oh really yeah. Expert, paperwork. expert level. <laughs> if we could get paid for procrastination, yeah. we'd be bazillionaires. Jeff Bezos ain't got nothing on us. So rich. I, I've been doing it my entire life, you know, putting off things that they just feel too overwhelming to do. And they're usually important things. They're usually something to do with, you know, an important phone call or a doctor's appointment I have to make or something I need to return at the store that is not going to be returnable after the next couple of days. And I will, when I was younger, I used to procrastinate, but then I would get something done at the last minute. I would stay up all night and write a 10 page paper and be like, all right, it's done. I'm exhausted, but I finished. I'm going to deliver it to my professor and my pajamas and call it a day. Like I would get it done and I would get an A on it because I actually knew what I was doing with this paper, but it got to the point where I started letting things go past that point of actually starting it at a very, at the last minute. And then I would, there were certain things I would, I would just not even start like in my head. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, well, it's too late already. So I may as well not even start. And that's when it started to like worry me because I was like, well, why am I doing those things? What is it? And what it is apparently is called executive dysfunction. And so there's something called executive dysfunction where it's basically the inability to prioritize little basic things, even just like brushing your teeth, eating breakfast, things even that you would just do to start your day. And knowing that you have so many things to do makes it so overwhelming that it feels like you can't do any of them. So instead of just starting with one thing and being like, well, first I'm just going to brush my teeth and then I'm going to, you know, get dressed or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's like the list of them becomes so big and scary in my mind. Mm -hmm. So it just feels like, well, I don't know where to start. So I'm just not going to do any of them at all. And then none of it gets done. And then I will literally just sit there and stare at my phone for hours, not accomplishing anything. Right. And yeah, cue the, well, and I think people don't understand, (laughs) like, it's not that it's, it's not rest. Right. I think that that's a, a big misconception is that within procrastination is rest. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're putting this off. And in the meantime that you're putting it off and ignoring these important things, you're just like, flitting around YOLO, having like living your best life. No, it's hell. It's excruciating. Like there is this undercurrent of anxiety and Mm -hmm. shame that absolutely is the through line underneath everything. And it freaking sucks. It sucks. It's It's the guilt of knowing that you're supposed to be doing all of these things that would make you a seemingly productive member of society. Seemingly. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you just can't get yourself to do any of these things. And so sometimes, you know, so I basically, you know, these are just a few examples of many of the things that have been very challenging for me, especially as a creative, as an entrepreneur, you know, you have to stay on top of scheduling and, you know, <laughs> your to-do list. I mean, when you're an entrepreneur email. or you're a freelancer working for yourself, or working in a creative field, there are so many freaking hats. Like, yeah, scheduling, mm-hmm. contracts, paperwork, taxes, yeah. figuring out mm-hmm. how to file. I mean, I'm taxes are on my brain right now because guess what? Guess who procrastinated putting our taxes together? He still hasn't done it. Does every single year. And actually, I have a really great example of some. I just did my taxes early for the first time. And I'm saying early, it's like it's the beginning of April. Right. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying early is because I have the past several years just been like, I need an extension and file for an extension because I've been busy or I can't get it together. Or on the times where I'm not working, I feel like I can't take the time to just sit there and stare at writing my, my deductions down and my itemizations. I have to just actually relax because I'm too burnt out from working or overdoing right. it because I'm hyper fixating on something like work or Mm -hmm. something else. And so actually I took advantage of the body doubling thing, um, this year. And my sister who is a Virgo and so organized (laughs) and she also is a personal and executive assistant to someone. And so she is amazing at like Excel spreadsheets and Google spreadsheets and all the spreadsheets, all the things that I did that we all had someone in our lives. Good (laughs) at spreadsheets. Holy. I wish that it was me, but it's not. (laughs) I hate those things. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just not, I I'm organized when it comes to keeping receipts in folders in my email. And that's, that's helpful when it comes to taxes, but when it comes to sitting down and getting focused and really just being like, all right, I'm not going to get distracted by my cat or something else I'd rather do or social media or, you know, literally anything else. I need to have someone help me sometimes. And I was really not good at asking for help. Um, I just kind of thought like, oh no, no, it's fine. I don't, I don't want to do it. I desperately don't want to do it. So I'll just do it on my own time. You can't make me do it. Not on my own time. Stubborn, 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 stubborn. And my sister actually, you know, I think realizing that I have ADHD has been very helpful because I've been able to communicate with my, my family members Mm -hmm. about when I'm struggling with something and when I do need help with something. And they've actually come to terms with the fact that some of them have have ADHD as well. And that's been really amazing because we can all kind of figure out where this is coming from in our family. And also it helps me at least to know why I do some of these things. And then it also helps my family to not say like, well, what are you doing? Why can't you just get up and do it? Like, they're like, oh no, this is a thing. This is ADHD. This is why it gives you language. It gives you, it gives you common language. I think that that's one of the most beautiful things of getting a diagnosis or going to therapy to understand why we are the way we are, whether it's ADHD, whether it's codependency, whatever it is, like just giving yourself the language to be able to contextualize your own experience for other people as well as yourself, but for other people 
is huge. I mean, even stuff that's not necessarily mental health. Like I was talking to a friend about love languages Mm -hmm. because I was going through, I'm on the dating apps. And (laughs) one of my, I have two questions. I always ask people. The first one is what's your favorite Robin Williams movie. It's very telling. Please steal that one. You guys, it's so it, it really like tells you so much about a person what their response is. Wait, what's yours? What's mine? Dead yeah. Poets Society. Oh, that's a very Kelsey answer also. It is a very Kelsey answer. It is. And but- most people cop out and say Goodwill Hunting because mm. it's like so critically acclaimed, but I think Dead Poets Society is numero uno for me. Hook would be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then like, it's like close second Mrs. Doubtfire. Because oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's like the movie that made divorce. Okay. In the nineties for kids movie that did. So I, what an, what so a movie. much for the gay community. So, I mean, it was, I just, yeah. that movie is it's phenomenal. It's it is. truly like one of the greatest movies ever made. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Anyway, back to ADHD, ADHD. <laughs> But it's, there are two things that I always ask. One is what's your favorite Robin Williams movie? And the second is what's your love language? And the reason I bring this up is because it helps me be able to contextualize myself, like understand, gives me the language to say, oh, I don't really care if you take the trash out. Like that doesn't make me feel loved. What makes me feel loved is you saying, thank you so much for cooking like verbally. And so Mm -hmm. I can say, like, give somebody language, like, Hey, here's a manual to how to interact with me. Here's like a way to hack our communication. What a good way of calling it a manual. Really? Mm -hmm. It is. It's exactly what it is. And it's actually really helped me when I've met other people that have ADHD. There's a lot of my close friends that have it actually. Mm -hmm. And they're all creatives, which I was going to say, I bet we're all like, (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's actually really helped me to be able to empathize with how they react to certain, certain situations, but also how to treat them in a kinder, more patient manner. You know, I try to be kind and patient in general, but I feel like it's, it's given me true insight into why maybe certain people do what they do and why maybe they're acting like a little bit like quote unquote neurotic or like whatever or yeah. highly anxious or whatever it is. And I'm, I, I'm really able to be on their side instead of like, think to myself, I mean, you know, they're going through a really tough time instead. It's like, no, they're, they might be going through a hard time, but like, they're maybe constantly are dealing with this. Like this is maybe their baseline and it's really challenging for them to get through. stuff. So, so how can I be a more compassionate person mm. and help them through the world because I know that I also struggle with this and I also need to be helped through the world too. You know, oh, I love that helping each other through the world. Damn. That's, that's gorgeous. Hassett. Do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you, I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. 
Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. Now, here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter. But honestly, that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business, which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, AKA people who are truly going to give you their monies to how to write a website that converts start to finish. And finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So if you want to learn more about copy class, see what's inside and hear from past students, head to kelseyformost.com slash copy class. That's kelseyformost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. We all it. <laughs> so, so back to my sister helping me through the world. She was so kind to set aside a day and just say, okay, listen. I know you have a lot of things that you need to get done this weekend and they feel very stressful. What if we, we set aside Saturday for your taxes and I will come over and help you. And I have spreadsheets and I know how to, you know, reformulate the formulas that aren't working well on yours anymore and do this other thing that is stressing you out. And I'm like, it feels really overwhelming. I was very like in the conversation, in the planning conversation. I just Mm -hmm. felt like I'm already overwhelmed. I don't know if I could do it by myself. I really want to avoid it. I really just want to drop it all and just don't do any of it. Mm -hmm. But instead, knowing that she was coming over, held me to it, it held me accountable. And she, honestly, I mostly like read out loud to her the stuff that she just wrote down. I I would have been doing the exact same thing, but it was helpful to have someone else there doing it with me. And if also because she knew some shortcuts for Excel and different spreadsheets. <laughs> Maybe she needs to be my next guest on Find Your Magic and we can Gosh. do our taxes together and talk about how to do taxes as a freelancer because Lord knows we need it. I mean, um, but that's helpful. Just having someone sit down with you and say, I'm here for you to get you through this because I know it's really hard for you to focus. And when to get unfocused, say, okay, like, do you need to get up and eat food for a minute? Like, will that help you? And then as soon as you're done eating, we can get back to this and then actually pull me back in. instead of me losing yeah. an hour. I ate food and then I went, went on my phone phone and yeah, <laughs> the counter and was like, oh, I should tweeze my eyebrows. Oh, and then I realized <laughs> I need to clean the counter off. Like that's what happens. <laughs> also, let's talk for a second about misconceptions about what ADHD looks like and how it manifests. Because what you just yeah. said, I identify with so deeply of like task to task, like a pinball machine, right? Like thought to task to thought. And it's just like, you're just a pinball at the mercy of whatever hits you next. And I think that for a long time, maybe not as much anymore. We thought of ADHD, first of all, primarily as male. Um, Mm -hmm. and we, at least for me, again, it's just my experience, but I believe it's the common experience 
boys were diagnosed with ADHD and ADD. I don't think I knew a single girl diagnosed with either growing up. I know quite a few women now who have been diagnosed. I believe it presents slightly differently um, in genders. Mm -hmm. And gosh, we ignore women, don't we? We (laughs) Doesn't the the healthcare system just totally ignores us? (laughs) Oh man. And we literally, yeah, it feels great. I actually read an article yesterday on, um, gaslighting on medical gaslighting for Mm -hmm. women. Um, it's, it's very real. It's very, very real. So talk to me a little bit about how you started out. I think you self-educated first on like what ADHD actually looks like in women Mm -hmm. and maybe how you were able to get around some of those outdated thoughts or stereotypes. Yeah. Um, actually it was because a friend of mine who's also a makeup artist, I think there are actually two friends of mine at the exact same time that were also in their thirties were very generous with their vulnerability and posted on their, I think one of them was like an Instagram story. And she just without even saying what her diagnosis was, she first listed all of the symptoms that she'd been dealing with. Wow. And I was like, Whoa, I have all of these things. And I didn't, <laughs> I don't know what it is that you're about to, Oh, is this ADHD? And then sure enough, it was. And there were just so many things that were so specific to things that I did that I just didn't realize could ever possibly be ADHD. I just thought that I was somehow inherently broken or mm defective in some way. And that whatever I was doing was just lazy, dumb, whatever it was. Right. And so once I started hearing other people describing their experience, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is me. This is me. I've been doing this for my entire life. And it's affected me more so probably as an adult now that I have like adult responsibilities and have a very hard time focusing on them. And so she, I think was 32 when she was diagnosed and I was 35 at the time. And I just kept seeing it all around me. It was like the more and more I was open to this information, the more it was starting to present itself to me via other people in my life that also mm-hmm. had it, that were either struggling with a new diagnosis or were um, newly medicated or they were trying to figure it out, whatever it was. And then I started following different accounts online that were about ADHD kind of awareness. And there are actually specific psychologists that are online that you can follow too on social media that have kind of branded themselves as, you know, specializing in ADHD. Mm -hmm. And there's even dietitians that are ADHD dietitians. And, you know, I started realizing, wow, okay. So the way I eat little tiny things here and there and don't really eat a full meal and kind of get criticized for it all the time. Like that's actually an ADHD thing. It's wow. not just being a weirdo and just like <laughs> picking at my food. It's like, oh no, this is actually a thing. And there's dietitians that are specifically addressing it. Like it's actually common. Like it's, it's actually, actually so common how you are <laughs> that there are multiple people making whole careers out of helping yeah. you. <laughs> seeing these things all around me. And I was like, you know what, this, it has to be what I've been dealing with. And so I went to my therapist and I said, listen, I really, I'm, I'm really suspecting more and more that this is what has been going on with me for a really long time. And it's just never been diagnosed. And actually growing up, I remember asking other therapists and they were male as well. 
um, I asked them if they thought that I had ADD and they asked me like five questions and I kind of felt like I knew how to answer them to get the result that I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, you don't have it. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, no, you don't have it. And I was like, all right. And so I was never diagnosed with it because it was, you know, I was someone who was a perfectionist, someone yeah. who was in school, someone who could focus on tasks for long enough, but you know, during especially class. you said, I forget the term you used, but it's like, when you get fixated on something, hyperfixation, hyperfixation, I'm gonna look that up because that's the thing is it's like, it's not that you're constantly a pinball, which is why it's confusing. Like sometimes you can get so into something and then yeah. you look up and you've been doing it for five hours. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, <laughs> when I'm painting, I will forget to eat. I'll forget to drink. I will forget to do so many important things because I'm just in it. You know, I'm just yeah. in the zone focusing on painting or whatever I'm doing. I do the same thing with body paint. That's why I can body paint for like 12 hours at a time and just be like, this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it takes over those neural pathways almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think what was, you know, even my therapist was hesitant initially to give me a diagnosis and as was my psychiatrist, because they were saying that there was such a presence about ADHD on Instagram and TikTok all of a sudden mm. that people were self-diagnosing themselves. And so she wanted to be careful that, you know, this wasn't just something that I was just saying like, oh, this makes sense to me. So actually, you know, to be perfectly candid, like she didn't want to medicate me with a drug for ADHD. And I didn't really want to either. I was actually terrified of, mm. of taking something that would be like an upper because I also have anxiety and I've had bad experiences with that in the past with antidepressants in general. And so I just said, listen, I don't want to be medicated for that. I do want to figure out different systems though with you, yeah. how I can figure this out. Yeah. And, and just a word real quick, you guys on medications, like always, 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 we want to destigmatize mm -hmm. being on medications. Yeah. It also is such a personal decision and it's yeah. so important that you have a healthcare provider that you trust a professional mm -hmm. healthcare provider who you deeply trust and who you feel is listening to you. That is so important. So like pro medication, if that mm -hmm. is what you need and also more than anything, just pro people doing what they know is best for their bodies and their minds. Absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. It is always, well, not always a choice. Well, it is kind of a, always a choice, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, you do what is best for you. And for me, I felt like I just didn't feel like a stimulant was something that was going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we didn't go that route. Instead, my psychiatrist actually increased my antidepressant slightly because she said that would help uh, maybe target the anxiety that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it helped slightly, but more so I felt that the awareness of the symptoms of ADHD and where, where they come from, I felt like those were more helpful to me and also creating a language with people around me um, yeah. so that I could create systems better for myself to move forward and, and be able to accomplish things in my day to day. But it, that was a journey. And I feel like I'm still on it. You know, I feel like oh, yeah. 
they'll learn something else. And I'm like, oh, that's also part of ADHD. That's like a huge part of my life forever. And I just thought I was a weirdo. <laughs> hey, we love weirdos. We, we can be both. We can be weirdos yeah. and have ADHD. Oh, I'm a total weirdo. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> we are pro weirdo on Find Your Magic. <laughs> I think so. Let's talk a little bit because, you know, this podcast is a lot of people who are freelancers or are running their own business or about to, mm-hmm. I would love to know, was there anything, any ADHD, I don't know if you'd call it treatment or like tricks, like how you talked about body doubling as an example mm-hmm. of what I mean, um, yeah. things that helped you while at work. Um, yeah, actually. So for me at work, I have to stay very organized. Um, otherwise things will will get forgotten and they won't get done. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to work, for some reason, it's like, when it comes to work, I am a psycho about being clean and organized and whatever. Mm -hmm. When it comes to my room, I just throw things everywhere and it's terrible. (laughs) So for people who have a hard time staying organized at work, it may be different for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of us are different. So this may not apply to you at all, but for me, I know that this is a really silly little trick, but it's worked really well for me. I can't wait. I used to do this thing where I would set like 20 alarms in the morning because if I couldn't get up, I would talk myself into being like, Oh, you have way more time than you do. And some, another thing with ADHD is called time blindness, where you really have no concept of how much time you have, you think that maybe you have more time than you actually do. And so maybe you leave when you're supposed to be there, or you leave five minutes before you're supposed to be there and it's going to take you time. Or for me growing up, I remember this used to drive my family crazy. I would take a shower and I, I would just would be like, I blacked out. I had no idea, zero concept as to how long I was in the shower. And they're like, we have four other people that need to get through the shower. Like you need to hurry up. And I'd be like, I just got in here. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, washing my hair. I didn't know. <laughs> and then I've been in there for like 45 minutes. And it's like, why are you washing your hair? For 40? Like, I would just be like, I'm having great ideas in here. I don't know. It's so, That's right. I mean, time blindness is a real thing. It's always affected me. And so basically when I would wake up in the morning, I would convince myself that I had more time than I actually did. And I would just keep on snoozing. Mm -hmm. And so now, because I know that I don't trust myself in the morning, I don't trust myself to give myself enough time to get to work or to leave a little bit more time for traffic Mm -hmm. or to wake up and not press snooze a million times. The night before, what I have to do is I have to use my GPS to see how much time it's going to be to get there and then work backwards from there to see how much time I'm going to need to get ready. And then how much time I need, you know, when I need to actually wake up and then I need to write in my calendar, the time that I need to leave. Mm -hmm. If I do not write what time I need to leave, then I will give myself a false sense of how much time I have. That's And so even like, Oh, I need to be at work at seven. And I know that it's roughly about 35 minutes to get there. I will still not leave on time because of time blindness. So I need to like work backwards, give myself additional time and then put it in my calendar, leave at this time. Yeah. And then backwards from there. And I set my alarm to wake up in the morning, instead of giving myself like 10 alarms that I will just inevitably snooze through, I only give myself two alarms 
and I, I spread them apart by three minutes. And I know that's a really odd amount of time. And it's not. I, have to, I have to wake up at weird times all the time. Sometimes it's two 30 in the morning for work. It's really bizarre yeah. times for, for people in production life. And so I posted online, like, you know, when I've had to wake up really early before and people will see my weird alarms that are three minutes apart. And they're like, Oh, I'm sure that three minutes, those three extra minutes really helped. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not actually for snoozing purposes. It's so that somehow between two, between zero and five minutes is the right amount of time for me to actually wake up and to not let myself fall back into like a real deep sleep. So I'm left to keep on snoozing. So I'll wake up at three minutes and be like, Oh, I gotta go. I I like have to wake up now. If I wake up at five minutes, I'm like, Oh, I'm too sleepy. I could just give myself a couple more and I just will keep doing it. So for me, three is not over. I don't know why, but that is, I love that though. (laughs) That's a little hack. (laughs) I wonder if there's, I'm sure that there's science behind that somewhere. If, if any of you are sleep scientists, (laughs) let us know, let us know in the comments. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that though. Like, I think that that is one of the most important things to say is that sometimes tricks are just that simple. Like it doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make it not valid. Like if it works, it freaking works. Like that's great. I love this trick of putting it on your calendar when you have to leave. I have never heard the term time blindness before. I really am looking forward to chatting with uh, my therapist on Friday. Cause I'm going to bring a checklist. Let me tell you. Um, and I will do, I'll try to find you guys a reputable, um, couple of articles or sources and put them in the show notes. If you'd like to explore more about this again, I know we've said it already, but like, we are not professionals. We are not doctors. We are simply two creative humans moving through the world, walking each other through the world with love. Mm -hmm. So, and we want to help y'all too, just in case any of this resonates. Yes, absolutely. Everybody's so different and everybody has different systems that are going to work for them. And whatever that is, as long as you're being safe and not hurting yourself or anybody else, then I think that's wonderful. And I'm so happy that you've been able to find something that works for you because I know how hard it is to do that and to establish it initially. And that also think that like they might keep changing too. Like, I don't think your systems are always going to stay the same. Sometimes they just have to change because you're constantly changing. You know, we all are. And so be patient with yourself because when you can create patience with yourself and realize like, Oh, this is just, this is just how my brain works. That's okay. That's like, it actually makes me cool and unique and possibly more creative in some ways than I think the patience that we give ourselves, we can also extend to other people. Oh, I love that. Julie, I just love you. You're just one of my favorite humans on the I love planet. you. My favorite humans. Thank you so much for having me on this. Of course. Now I do want to give a shout out. You have a new show coming out that you yeah. did makeup on. You want to talk about that for a sec? It actually just came out. Um, on uh, March 31st, and it's Fairly Odd Parents, Fairly Odder. It's a a real-life imagined version of the cartoon with okay. still some animation involved. And it's it's for kids on Paramount+. Plus. It's through Nickelodeon. Super cute. I mean, it's really funny if you have children or if you just really loved the cartoon as a kid. Uh, <laughs> I did. It was really full circle working on something that I watched as a kid. It's, it's really fun. So check it out if you want. 
<laughs> I love it. And you guys will put Julie's social media in the show notes below because she's always working on cool shit constantly. I mean, especially you do so many like music videos and art projects and movies. And it's always so fun to see like, what is she up to next? Oh, thanks. It's really fun. And I'm glad that I get to share it with so many people like you who appreciate art too. So thank you for always supporting me too. You're always such a a light in my life. Oh, shucks. Who me? Yeah, you. <laughs> well, you're a light in my life, and so are you, magic makers. We are so grateful to have y'all here listening to this conversation. If you liked this episode, please let us know. Give us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps not just us, but other people like you find us and join the community. So thank y'all for tuning in on this one. Go out there, find some magic and take care. Hey, magic maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.